Welcome in to Ohio versus the World. Jacob Wilson here, where we talk about all things Ohio State football, Browns football, Cleveland Cavaliers, Indians, Columbus Crew, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am your host, Jacob Wilson, joined by a special guest today, one of my good friends, one of my fellow hosts on a other podcast, Two Guys, One Beautiful Game, JT Hershowski. Yeah, what's up, man? Not much. I'm excited. Um, I love when it's just me and you and we talk about Ohio sports because usually I mean, there's a lot of things we want to talk about today. We want to talk about the Blue Jackets, the Browns, the Indians, uh, Ohio State football, and usually when there's one big thing to talk about, I have someone else on, but when I talk about four or five teams, you're usually the best person to have on because only person I really know that likes all seven teams that I like here with Ohio State football, Ohio State basketball, the crew, the Blue Jackets, the Indians, the Cavaliers, and the Browns. It's the only reason we're friends, but pretty much I yeah. mean, at this point. That's all we got, so. I know. Well, my goal is to eventually work my way from special guest to semi-consistent contributor to the podcast. Work your way on to once every three or four weeks. So today's today's a good start. Yeah, today's a good start. I think the second time I've had you on. uh, I know I've had you on before. I don't know what it was for, but I I know once before. I think we reviewed Ohio State football for something. Yeah, yeah, probably a Ohio State football game. But second time I've had you on, excited. First, we're going to start with the Browns' regular season schedule release. Uh, talk about just the release in general, then we'll give our excitement level rankings from games 16 to 1. Um, then we'll play the classic and cliche win-loss game. Then we'll move on to the Blue Jackets, um, mm-hmm. the highest the Blue Jackets have ever been in my uh, order here of talking about teams as a huge sweep over the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll talk but, about that. I thought you were going to say the highest in their existence, which is technically true. Yeah, that's true as well. Um, a high state spring game. Uh, Talk about the Indians. They played 18 games so far. The Cavaliers, they wrapped up their season, and we'll talk a little bit about the crew. The crew. The part where I really come in. Yeah, that's that's your real part. That's your... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your special guest, but that's, you know, what you're really here for. Exactly. All right, so we'll start with the Browns' regular season schedule release. Just go through it real quick. Um, Home versus the Titans. That will be, obviously, the home opener and the season opener. Third year in a row where they played their season opener at home, which is nice. So, Um, at home versus the Titans. Away to the Jets, at home versus the Rams, away to the Ravens, away to the 49ers, home against the Seahawks, away to the Patriots, away to the Broncos, home against the Bills, home against the Steelers, home against the Dolphins, away to the Steelers, home against the Bengals, away to the Cardinals, home against the Ravens, and away to the Bengals. So Mm -hmm. um, first thing first from those is really you have four primetime games as well as three 425 p.m. CBS games where you've got Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the call. So those games are going to be... Um, the Jets, Monday night football game. The Rams, Sunday night football game. Um, you're going to have the 49ers, Monday night football game. And then you're going to have a Steelers uh, game that is going to be a Thursday night game. I mean, that game I'm really excited for, obviously. At home, Thursday night football against your biggest rival. That's going to be a huge one. And then as well, the other Steelers game that's away is a 425 p.m. game. The Broncos game is a 425 p.m. game. And I believe, yes, the away to the Patriots is also a 425 p.m. game. So you're looking at seven... I mean, technically only four primetime games, but basically seven primetime games, seven games that aren't at 1 p.m. on a Sunday that are going to be huge games, and you might even get another one thrown in there if they decide to throw them on a Sunday night game late in the season, which I wouldn't be surprised by. So you're looking at six to eight primetime games here, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, completely, the complete flip from what we're used to from Browns fans. We're used to them always being on 1 o'clock Sunday in the afternoon, uh, just because they always used to be so bad. Uh, and while we know they have crazy fans, they're not, let's be real, outside of Cleveland, they're not a, a huge team. They're not like a, a Cowboys are, where they're mm-hmm. more kind of nationwide. It's very much a, as, as great as the local support is for, for the Browns, it kind of ends once you leave the state of Ohio. And so you're right. Um, it's something really, really unprecedented from this Browns team to, to have, and these Browns fans to have so many 
primetime games. Like I said, we're just we're so used to those one o'clock Sunday games. But I think I think it's a good change. It'll be a good time for the Browns to get more national media exposure too, as well. Uh, you do worry just about a bit uh, how that'll affect them. Um, the fact that they'll have like tv well i guess there's always tv crews there too but more prime time more viewers more people talking about the browns the browns are gonna be talked about more this year than ever before just because rosters and prime time games uh like i said too as well and then the other takeaway i had from this game the, the other takeaway i had from the schedule excuse me uh just in general when you look at all 16 games uh the kind of general consensus i'm hearing and what i think is it's very top heavy it's going to be maybe a, a tougher rough a tougher start to the season playing a lot of better teams you play the patriots on the road Play the Rams are going to be really good this year. The Ravens on the road. The Broncos on the road. But then it actually gets a little bit easier. I know they play Steelers twice in the second half. But other than that, you got the Bills at home, the Dolphins at home, and the Bengals twice. And even the yeah. Cardinals. The only like tough road game besides the Steelers is the Cardinals, in my opinion. And the Cardinals, I don't think, are going to be that great that season. So I think for the Browns, it's going to be, can you manage those first eight games and then find a way to win a lot of the rest yeah. of them? Yeah, I completely agree. I think with those first eight games, it's about finding a way to go maybe four and four. Mm-hmm. And then those last eight games, you're looking at a chance to go six and two, seven and one. And I mean, even eight, no, you never know. Obviously, they have the Cardinals. Should be an easy test. It is the NFL, but so we're just speculating, obviously. But should be easy with the Cardinals and the Bills, and I believe uh, maybe another bad team in there. And you're also playing five of your last six games are divisional games, which the division's not that strong this year. The Browns, on paper, are the best team in the division. Obviously, we'll see what happens. The Steelers are always a good organization, always find a way to be good. So, yeah, like you said, it's definitely top-heavy when you have to play the Rams and the Patriots out of division, so that's going to be tough, but... Um, we're just telling you what you know at this point, what you already know. You know that there's six to eight primetime games. You know what the exact schedule is. So what you're really here for is our take on certain things, our hot takes, whatever it is. So we're going to jump into giving you our excitement level rankings mm-hmm. from 16 to 1 for the games. We're going to start with JT um, at 16. Okay, so just to confirm for the listeners, 16 is the one you're least excited about. Yes, even and, though we're excited for all of them. Obviously. And, well, obviously, but and then one is the one you're most excited about. And we're starting with 16, so this is the game that I'm the least excited about. At number yeah. 16, I have the Bills at home. Okay. Not a very... Uh, it's a it's kind of a 1 o'clock... One thing you'll notice about my excitement levels as we go through is I put a lot of emphasis on primetime games, like you noticed. So a mm-hmm. 1 o'clock game at home against a... Uh, the Bills, they're kind of like similar to the Browns, as in they've got a great local fan base, but outside of their kind of local area, they're not mm-hmm. a big transcending team. So, and like I said, you got to someone's got to be last too. So mine's the, the yeah, best. yeah. I mean that's the thing. Someone has to be last, and obviously, just because we're least excited about something doesn't mean we're excited. I mean, if you're a Browns fan this year, I mean you're just going to be so excited for every single one of these games. Even number sixteen is going to be a huge game, and part of the excitement levels. It's tough to know because obviously. I mean, maybe one of these games down the line, we may not be excited for, like, say, Cardinals third to last week um, of the year, but then that game could end up being a game that decides if they clinch a playoff spot or not, so that could be huge games. Mm-hmm. But for me, I have Dolphins at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So then I'll start with 15. I have Bills at home. So you had six, 16 Bills. So 15 you... Dolphins at home. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. so we switched those up. Um, I was interested to see how many we had exactly the same. Close, but technically none the same through two. So, yeah, so I have Dolphins at 16. Um, the Dolphins are projected, I believe, as the worst team in the NFL this year, from Vegas at least, whatever that means. Obviously, mm-hmm. they could be better. They're going to have the Fitz Magic this year. Fitzmagic, we'll see how that works yeah. out for him. Um, it's funny. By the time we play them, he'll probably won't be the starting QB anymore, no, for being no honest. So. Yeah, so Dolphins at 16, then the Bills at 15. Um, what can the Bills do with Josh Allen this year? That's definitely going to be one of the bigger questions of that game. But for me, those are the two, even though they're both at home. And I am really excited for all the home games just because I'm excited to crowd watch in a way because these fans are going to be insane this year. Yeah, I know. It's going to be Up in there in Cleveland. I mean, there are just such good fans already. We saw it last year. I went to a few games. 
It was so loud in that stadium for a team that went 7-8-1 this year. Uh, the expectations are so high. The The crowd's going to be crazy. So I actually do start off with three straight home games. But you have the uh, Bill, or the Dolphins at 15. Yeah, Dolphins at 15. 14 for me are the Bengals at home. Uh, I know it's a divisional opponent, but I'm just not high on the Bengals this year. I don't think they're that good of a team. I think what we kind of saw last year when the Browns played them, they pretty much dominated them mm-hmm. for most of the football game both times. I think when the Browns play them again this year, it's going to be more of the same. The Browns got better. The Bengals might have gotten worse, but I definitely don't think they got better. So I'm, I'll put the Bengals at 14, the home game against yeah, the Bengals. Yeah, I have the same thing. I have Bengals at home at 14. So completely in agree, agreement with you. We saw this team blow them out basically both times last season. I think the Browns are maybe not much better team, but they're definitely a better team. And I think the Bengals are going to be even a worse team. If they draft Dwayne Haskins like they should, even though I don't think they're going to, I think this matchup becomes a lot more interesting. But Where are they at? The I draft? want to say they're like... Within the top ten, at least. So if the, the Giants 10. don't draft them, I mean, okay, they could. Yeah. So you gotta, we got to wait for... Yeah, we'll have to wait. Um, That's obviously part of this, too, doing it before the draft. But you also want to do it while it's still relevant. But, yeah, for me, uh, Bengals at home at 14. At 13, I have Bengals away. So. I have Bengals away at 13, too. Okay, yeah. yeah. So we're close. I mean, we have all top four games are the same for us. By the obviously. way, just wanted to let everyone know, we did not... No. We did not make these lists together. I have no idea no. what your list is. You might have peaked at mine, but yeah. we never... These are just... It's It just happened yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It makes sense, obviously. There's some pretty obvious games that are the more least exciting games, and there's three, I would say, obvious games are the most exciting by far. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, Bengals away from me at 13. You have Bengals away at 13. So, we both have Bengals at 14, 13. Like we said, for kind of obvious reasons, we expect both of these games, and we hope that they're blowouts for the Browns. So, yeah. who do you have at 12? The 12, this, when I, when I, when I'm going back and I'm relooking at this, I'm surprised it's this low, but because I, I already told you I have a vi- big emphasis on primetime mattering into my excitement. This is a 1 o'clock Sunday game. It's the Ravens at home. I think the Ravens are probably going to be the Browns' biggest challenger. And I know that there's a lot of animosity between the Browns and the and the Ravens game, so I'm surprised I have this so low. But just kind of that factor of it being on a Sunday at 1 o'clock, uh, and I think there's so many intriguing games for the Browns this, uh, Browns this season. I have the Ravens at home all the way down at 12. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, there's just so many exciting games this year. This will definitely be the spot where we probably disagree the most. I have that... All the way in the top five, so yeah. just because it's one of the second to last game, second to last game. That's a good point against the Ravens. It's going to be a huge game, but for me at twelve, I have the Cardinals away. This is one of those games that could either be really interesting or not be. For me, I I mean I'm hoping obviously the Browns blow out the Cardinals in this game and make it easy. And if they do, it does make it a, a you know least interesting game. But this could be very interesting if it's Kyler Murray versus Baker Mayfield if they draft Kyler Murray. Uh, we also know Baker Mayfield hates 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 Cliff Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be interesting. That's the guy that cut Baker Mayfield. He yep. didn't give him a scholarship uh, because he got hurt, even though he was a good starting QB for Texas Tech. Because he got hurt, he basically cut him and took his scholarship away. And we know how Baker is with stuff like that. You know he hates that guy for sure. And that's going to be a very interesting game if he's got a QB on the other side that he loves, but a coach on the other side that he also hates. So that game has potential to be very interesting. For me at 11, though, I then go to the home opener, Titans at home. The reason this game is a little bit further down the list is just because it's a home opener. Um, it's just going to be exciting. You've got the first game for Odell Beckham Jr. You have the first game back in Cleveland for this team, for this city that is so excited to watch this team. So for me at 11, I have the home opener. I think some people might have that further up the list, closer to 16. But for me, I'm just so excited. I think the first game, Cleveland, it's, at, it's in Cleveland, so the fans are going to be wild. It's the first game for Odell Beckham Jr., Baker Mayfield's back again. This whole team is back. People are going to be so excited. So 
Who do you have at, what do you have at 11? 11, I have the Cardinals away. Kind of said what you said, too. This could end up being way more exciting if it, if Kyler Murray starts, you know, that Clave Kingsbury effect, and, but I have a feeling that just when we get to this late in the season, the Cardinals are going to be really, really bad. They might just be playing a no-name at quarterback to get through the rest of the season. They might be tanking in first years. Mm -hmm. First years are always kind of tough on new coaches with Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm not convinced he's that great of a coach either. Uh, so I have this a little bit down lowered to 11. I expect the Browns to be good at this point, the Cardinals not to be. This game, I think, will lose some interest as it comes later to the season. But you made some good points as to why it could yeah. end up being really yeah. exciting. So, so who do you have at uh, – oh, so you have 11 Cardinals. Yeah, so uh, who do you have at 10, I guess? 10, I have the Seahawks at home. Okay. Um, I, I think this will be – I think this game kind of – I think three or four years ago this game would be – if the Browns, who they are now, and the Seahawks were, were three or four years ago, it would be a big game. Mm-hmm. But the Seahawks are just – they're just not going to be as good as they used to be in the past mainly because they're going to be paying Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson so much. They just don't have enough money to fill out the rest of the roster. I think this is a home game that the Browns win comfortably. So for me, this actually ends up being a little lower on the excitement scale. Yeah, We don't mind talking about other things, too, every once in a while on Ohio versus the World. How did you like the Russell Wilson video? I've had – oh, the <laughs> video was hilarious. I'm almost like, you know what, dude, flex it if you're in the money. I just personally believe these teams who are paying these players – the most these outrageous months of money. So I'm talking about like Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. Manny Machado, Russell Wilson, and what the Vikings gave Kirk Cousins last year. Yeah. I think it's actually not a good move to give a player like that so much money. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you on Bryce Harper, like Manny Machado, especially Kirk Cousins. But with Russell Wilson, I mean, this is the guy that brought you the Super Bowl, should have brought you two. And I mean, he's only 30 years old. I definitely think they should have worked maybe for less money, but... That's part of it. You know, at the end of the day, it was a tough decision, and the fans would have rioted if they wouldn't have signed him, too. So. Yeah, too. Yeah, I, you can't, I'm definitely not mad at Russell Wilson in this yeah. scenario. He wants the money, and he got it. And you know what? If you want to flex on in bed with your wife next to you, you flex in bed with your wife next to you. I just personally think for, if I was the Seahawks organization, I would have let him walk. Yeah. The contract sex must be the yeah, best. The contract sex is the best. It's <laughs> almost as good. Oh, no, it's... Yeah, it's almost as good as like winning a championship sex. It's almost as good as master sex. Mm. Tiger Woods' girlfriend. Oh, that's what the that's what it was. <laughs> that's what it was. I couldn't remember the the reference. Yeah. Yes. All right. So ten for me. I have the Ravens away. Um, this was the game you had. High, no, where did you have, you haven't had this one yet, have you? I haven't played this. one. I bash. Do I go? Oh no, you have. To, yeah, yeah you have ten. ten. Yeah, okay, ten. So 10. Ravens away. Um, I'm trying to remember where that's at in the schedule. Actually, I believe that's one of the early. Week that's four. like the one. Early, yeah, that's the one game in the division that's before. Uh, like week 10 or something. So mm-hmm. earlier in the year, um, that's partially why it's maybe further up the list. But still, all these games are super exciting and super big games. But still, some some of them have to be in the bottom eight, and this is one of those for me. That's all I really got for it. Ravens away at 10. What about nine? Nine, I have the Broncos away. Okay. Um, the 425 p.m. game, CBS, Jim Nance, Tony Romo. At the moment, it could change. This is the one of the three 425 p.m. CBS games I could see maybe switching for something else later on the season. But if the Broncos are good and the Browns continue to be good as we expect, this is going to be a really fun game. Uh, the last one in the bottom eight for me. But overall, should be interesting. Um, they signed J- Flacco, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they? Yeah, they signed Joe Flacco. Oh. Right, the Broncos? I know they – oh, they did. Cause I, yeah. know, I know you left the Ravens because they're investing in Lamar Jackson, which yeah. I can't figure out for the life of me why you do that. Yeah, so, so Joe Flacco, Baker Mayfield, I mean, you know, will he still be playing at this time of the year? I think he probably will be. I can see him being decent. Yeah, but, yeah I think so. so. Broncos away at nine for me. Uh, it's funny. I've at, I've away to the Ravens at nine, and then away to the Broncos at eight. So okay. uh, I'm kind of fitting those two in there for very similar reasons too. For the Ravens, definitely a big time game on the road early in the year, big divisional battle. But for me, it's again, it's a one o'clock on a Sunday, not a prime time slot. You're gonna see with my top eight, a lot of prime time games, and that starts at eight with the Broncos away. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. For me, 
At 8, I have the 49ers away. Monday Night Football. Mm. Um, this is early on in the year. Should be a lot of fun. You know, 49ers were one of those teams last year that got a lot of primetime games, ended up biting the NFL in the ass as Jimmy Garoppolo obviously got injured, mm-hmm. and then a lot of those games didn't end up mattering. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL. This year, um, you know, it should be a lot more fun. you got the 49ers with Jimmy G. Is he back? Yeah, he should be back, I believe. Uh, those ACL uh, injuries can be Yeah, they can scary. be tough, but who knows? I mean, obviously it's still April, but he should be back, and if he is, you've got Jimmy Grapes. Versus Jimmy Baker Grape. Mayfield. Jimmy Grapes. I've heard that before, so I just uh, never had to throw it in there. <laughs> you got Grapes versus Baker. Grapes versus Baker. Yeah. So, that'd be a, I mean, honestly, that would be a really fun game. Uh, Monday Night Football in in San Francisco. A fun city to travel to. Fun stadium to watch football game in, obviously. So, the Browns versus the 49ers at 8 for me. So, we're at 8. Yes. Okay, then you got to do seven. Okay. Yeah, I'll do seven. Why not? <laughs> at seven, I have uh, Seahawks at home. You had this one a little bit higher up the list. But for me, um, I think the Seahawks are still an eight and eight, nine and seven, even a 10 and six team if they have a really good year. And I think the Browns are in that 10 and six vicinity as well. So this could be a really big game, especially with it being later on the season, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, later on the season, this it's could be like week six. Okay. It's, it's you know, it's somewhere it's there. Season. But yeah, this could be a game that has huge playoff implications with whoever wins it. And it's also at home against the Seahawks. So it's a recognizable name in the NFL at home. So for me, it's at seven. Yeah, I don't know if you touched on this too, but just kind of a, a random point. The Browns' bye week is between week six. It's week seven, so they play the Seahawks in week six. Okay. So And then they get their bye week in week seven before traveling to the Patriots yeah, in week eight. which is big because the Patriots, I believe, play on uh, Monday night or something like that. I believe the Patriots have less of a rest than just a regular be, one. Yeah, too. And I I tell you, man, we get after Tom Brady, he can't run and he doesn't yeah. think he has you no know, with Rob Gronkowski gone. I don't know who he has to Miles Garrett to. coming at him. Yeah. Anything can happen. I have that as an L on my teasing the next segment we do. I have yeah. that as an L. I might have to I might have to change that. Okay, so who do you have at us? Six. So I got seven. seven. I have seven. I have the Patriots away, so oh. kind of a. I'm really good at these transitions. If you haven't noticed, that. <laughs> now, I said the Patriots at seven. Uh, it's a 4:25 Sunday game against a really big name opponent, um, but I think it's gonna lose. It's I just uh, the Patriots to me. I think will finally take the step back that we're waiting for. I think losing Rob Gronkowski is a big thing mm-hmm. for them, uh, and I don't know if they can continue what they did last year. I say that, I've said that the past couple of years and they proved me wrong, but something is finally telling me that this might be the year, at least in the regular season, yeah. they take a step back. And so I think the Browns actually, <clears throat> actually I have, them, I have them losing this game, but mm-hmm. um, I, I'm just so excited for a lot of the Monday night, Sunday night games, and this is a 425 game, but it, it's another big game and we're getting to the top seven now. So really all of these are, are, are super great yeah. for the Browns fans in terms of my excitement for them, but I find this one a little low on my list at seven, at six. I have the 49ers that, like you said, Monday Night Football. Yeah. Jimmy G will be back. Um, it's not the first time the Browns are playing on uh, primetime. It'll be their third primetime game in the first five games of the season. Uh, but just another one of those big Monday Night Football games. Uh, I, I, I'll i be living for those, man. Yeah, Especially yeah, if sure. I have some fantasy players on either of those teams, I'll be really into it. Yeah, yeah. so for me at 6, I have the Jets away. This okay. is going to be a fun game. It's early on in the season. Sam Darnold versus Baker Mayfield. We saw it for a half of football last year. Baker Mayfield was obviously the much better quarterback in that game that gave the Browns their first win in a long time. Oh, yeah. um, you're going to have Odell Beckham Jr. going back to his old stadium since the Jets and the Giants play in the same stadium. Um, so he'll be back at MetLife Stadium, back in the old locker room, playing against, although it's not the Giants, playing against another New York market. Uh, so he'll be back in New York. You'll have Darnold versus Baker Mayfield. 
Uh, a few other storylines there. The Jets are expected to be a lot better this year. The Browns are expected to be a good amount better this year. So that should be a fun game. Yeah, fun game too. Yeah, so then at five, I have the Ravens at home. Um, I just think you play a divisional opponent, an opponent that could be up there with you fighting for the division, and it's at home. So for me, that's why it's at five. Yeah, I definitely – I had it at 12, but if I – I made this list super, super quick. Yeah. And I talked about the emphasis on primetime mm-hmm. games, and this wasn't, so that's why it's so low. But I think if there's anything – if I could go back and change this after the initial five minutes of it – I'd probably put that game higher, especially so late in the season. I agree with you. that That's actually a big game. Yeah. At five, I have the Titans at home. I know uh, – I think the Titans are a good football team, but this to me it's the home opener aspect to it. And mm-hmm. I know it's a Sunday 1 o'clock game, but, I mean, there's not – in my opinion, at least in my lifetime, and I don't have a ton of Browns history. I'll be the first to admit it. But in my lifetime, at least the anticipation going into a season, I can't remember a time like this to be a Cleveland Browns fan. Just – I mean, the stadium's going to be rocking. We've talked about how great the fan base has been for the Browns when they suck. So how great is it going to be when they're good? And I think mm-hmm. maybe the one worry I have is that the expectations will be a little too high. But at least for the first game, it's going to be absolutely rocking. So I yeah. can't wait for it. Um, I have the Titans at home at five. And following that up right at four is the Jets on the road. We talked about it. Sam Darnold versus Baker Mayfield. <clears throat> two improved teams. Monday night football. How could you not get excited for that one, too? I'll be... Every one of these Monday night, Sunday night football games that the Browns will be playing this year, I'll have, I'll make sure I have everything done for the day, and I'll be in front of the TV. Yeah, it just I'll be, I'll be so nervous at the time, but I'm really, mm. really excited for it. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. So for me at four, um, I believe the last actually no, this will still be somewhat prime time. I have four. It's I have Steelers away, um, huge game here. It's going to be later on in the season. Um, it's going to be away. And it's going to be a 4.25 p.m. game, CBS. So I love those 4.25 p.m. CBS games. You talk about primetime games. Um, for me, actually, I'm more excited for CBS games just because I love Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Probably my favorite announcing duo now above Joe Klatt and Gus Johnson. I'd say those are probably yeah, one and two. It's probably one and two. Um, it used to be one for the longest time, but this year those two passed. And because I love Jim Nance and Tony Romo also does an amazing job, as everyone came to notice this year. So... Always excited for the, that duo, um, and it's just a huge game. Anytime we play the Steelers this year, we play them twice, obviously, as always. It's going to be such a big game. So then at three, I have the Patriots away. A little bit higher up than you, but um, this game is earlier on the season, so even if the Patriots aren't going to have as good as a season as they usually have, maybe even you know maybe not win the Super Bowl this year, um, it's probably so early that we wouldn't even know that yet. So it's going to be a huge game away to the Patriots. Um, it's going to be after a bye week. And it's going to be another one of those 4.25 p.m. CBS games that uh, I remember when they played the Ravens at 4.25 p.m. CBS in the last game of the year last year. Um, Jim Nance talked about, apparently with Jim Donovan, who's the voice of the Browns, he talked about him just before the game. They were just talking, having a good conversation. He talked about with Jim Donovan how CBS is trying so hard to get this game next year. It's their number one priority to get the Patriots and the Browns oh, okay. as their 4.25 p.m. CBS game. That was their number one priority to get that game. That's interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we were talking about announcers. Those two are, in my opinion, the second best announcing duo right behind Phil Schoen and Ray Hudson. We <laughs> call Barcelona and Real Madrid games for buying sports. It's always a fun one. Yes. Uh, we're <laughs> so on you have a three and two? Three. Uh, for three, I have the Steelers on the road. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's a divisional opponent. It's the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers. It's on the road. And then you want to throw in the fact that um, it's a, I believe, a Thursday or a Monday night, or no, just a a four twenty five CBS slot again. So yeah, another great slot with great announcers on the road. My opinion, these are gonna be the two teams that will be challenging for the 
divisional title and it's later in the season, this is just going to be a, a huge game. And we talk about it being coupled with a ton of divisional games for the Browns. It's going to be such an important stretch for them, and this yeah. will be a part of it. At two, I have the Rams at home. Um, we just again, it's a, <clears throat> it's not a Monday night game. Uh, it's a Sunday. Sunday night, night game. game. Yeah, which is right. even better. Yes, perfect. Right, it's probably the best slot to be in, in my opinion. Maybe mm-hmm. behind four twenty-five on Sunday afternoon. It's a Sunday night game. It's the Rams, who, in my opinion, are. A lot. Of, in their, my opinion, they're the favorites to make it to the Super Bowl. They made it last year, and they got better. Um, they pretty much kind of made it clear that they're really, really going for it this year. Mm-hmm. The team's going to be really, really good. It's going to be a really good early season test to find out how legit the Browns are. And it's going to be a, like I said, a, a home. It'll be the first home night game uh, for the Browns of the season. I think the fans are going to be absolutely rocking. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be insane there in Cleveland. I mean, I have Rams home at two as well so yeah it's going to be such a big game the fans are really part of the reason why this is so high up a sunday night football game in cleveland at first energy stadium against probably going to be the super bowl favorites in the rams i mean that place is going to be rocking they're going to be rocking for that titans game just because it's the home opener they get to watch odell for the first time they get to watch this team again and then the next home game is sunday night football against the Rams and that's after your first away game is Monday night football away to the Jets so Crazy. what a fun three weeks it is going to be to start yeah. the season and you get to play a divisional opponent in the Ravens then you get to play the 49ers on Monday night, night football. football it's just going to be wild man and then you play the Seahawks and the Patriots two big name teams so yeah it's just going to be wild how front loaded that schedule is yeah and we talked about how front loaded it is and we've talked about how every game is exciting and yeah this is more proof towards that so yeah Rams at home for me huge and then number one for me is what I think is going to be number one for a lot of people Maybe not the most exciting game nationally, but for us Browns fans, at home on a Thursday night against your biggest divisional opponent, against your biggest rival, the Steelers, and what is probably going to be one of the bigger games in the season to decide who goes to the playoffs, who wins the division, Steelers at home on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, it's my number one, too. This game pretty much is everything you want. Divisional opponent, essentially rivals, Thursday Night Football game, the two best teams in the division, late enough in the season to where... It really wins really start to matter. And you know, always maybe if you lose your first two games, like, oh, we've got so many games left. Mm-hmm. This game will come at a time, I think, 10 games into the season where it's like, all right, we don't have as many games left to, to catch up. And I think this will be a huge game. Uh, the place is going to be rocking. It's the Steelers. It's at home. It's on a Thursday night. This game pretty much, in my opinion, has everything you want to be the number one most exciting game for the Browns of this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we agree on the last two, kind of as I expected. We agreed on... A few others, and I think we had a really solid list. Yeah, solid list, but let's get into the what everyone is really, really here for, yeah. the wins and losses. Yes, the classic game that every sports talk radio show has to play mm-hmm. when the NFL schedule comes yep. out. It's just the classic. It's the cliche. We did it last year on Two Guys, One Mike before that became a soccer podcast. Yep. So now we get to do it again. This will be our second go. It's kind of wild to think this is the second time we've actually done a podcast where we go through wins and losses for the Browns. That's kind of wild. That's how long we've been doing these pods now. It's yeah. nearly a year. So. It's been almost a year. Yeah, so that's awesome for us. We've been doing this for a while. But yeah, that was by far our biggest segment. This is going to take about five minutes, and then the rest of the things, each segment's going to be about five minutes or so. So that was by far the biggest thing we wanted to do. Glad we got through it. Really enjoyed it. So now we're going to move on to the classic and cliche win-loss game. I will start it off. Browns at home against the Titans. We've talked about this game a few times already. How much the excitement will be in that building, and I have the Browns winning big. Win. Yeah, win for you. Uh, Jets away, win. Win. We've got the Rams at home. My first L of the season. I'm going to give the Browns a win. Okay. Just because, I mean, that stadium is going to be insane. I I can't understate how much home field advantage is going to be big for the Browns this year. I think 
in terms of, like you said before, in terms of the state of Ohio or just the Cleveland general area, the Browns are the best fans in the NFL, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Steelers have a bigger fan base in the country, and the, the Cowboys have a bigger fan base, and the Patriots, because of all their winning, have a biggest bigger fan base. But in that general Cleveland area, and even the Columbus area and Ohio in general, the Browns are the best fan base in the NFL. We saw that in the Fox Sports NFL tweet thing that they did where they had the Twitter yep. polls, and the Browns won that. Yeah, so some of the best fans in the league, and I think these home games... They're going to win a lot of home games this year. So. I, I agree with you on all of that. That just shows how good I think the Rams yeah, are. Yeah. They're going to definitely be the Super Bowl favorites. And it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be such a fun game. So, yeah. So, moving on to the Browns, away to the Ravens. I have another loss here, too. I think it's a really tough game. Uh, anytime you're playing on the road in a divisional matchup, it's a huge game. And I yeah. think this will be kind of earlier in the season when the Browns yeah. are still trying to figure themselves out. Uh, and they won't be, I think they'll be definitely really, really good later in the season. I think they, this will be part of their early season struggles. Yeah. Okay, so I have a loss here as well. Um, I think this is, in that point of the season, like you said before, they figure, people figure Lamar Jackson out maybe. Mm-hmm. I think people are starting to figure it out there. We saw it against the Chargers late in the season well, in that we, playoff game. But We saw the Browns in the second half yeah, too when, yeah. they, they, when they pinched their defensive lineman yeah. in to take away that inside run. Yeah, so I think Lamar still has at least a good amount of games left where he can play well. But I do think at some point in the season, not this early on though, he gets figured out. So I'll take the Ravens, especially away. They have a good fan base as well. One so. bold prediction: Lamar Jackson is out for the rest of the season with an injury by week eight. By week eight, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people probably think that. So, yeah, yeah, I could go along with that. So then you go away to the Forty ers I think they get back on track here. Back on track. Um, I'm gonna take a win. I have no clue what the Forty ers are gonna look like because we really haven't seen them with Jimmy G. I mean, he got hurt. What like in? Did he get hurt before even the season started? I can't no, remember. No, it was, it was like week two or three. Yeah, it was like week one or two. It was very early on in the season, but... I should remember, because remember how in our fantasy draft, Cole took Jimmy G in the first round. Oh, uh, yeah. And then it didn't work out for him. <laughs> it was never going to work out, but <laughs> it especially didn't work out there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, for me, I'll take a win. I'll have the Browns at four and one. I have them at three and two. A little more reserved. Okay, yeah. So, you got them winning that game as well, though. Yeah. Browns at home against the Seahawks. I, I, I talked a little bit about this earlier. I don't think the Seahawks are going to be as good as we've seen the past three or four years, especially with all the money they're giving to Russell Wilson. They just can't pay other players as much. The Browns are a better team. They're at home. They get a win. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a loss here. I'm going to take oh. this as the one game. I always talk about the, they're going to lose a game that you don't expect them to lose, even though the Seahawks are still a very good team. I mean, we saw them make the playoffs last year, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They snuck in right yeah. at the end somehow. And I talk about how they're usually going to win a game you don't expect them to win. I already chose both of those games, so I'm losing to the Seahawks but beating the Rams. So kind of the bold predictions of the schedule, for the most part, I'll go pretty chalk with what you expect. So mm-hmm. then we play the Patriots away. This will probably be the game that I say they could win, but I'm going to have them losing. Mm-hmm. I have them losing to the Patriots, even though I think they're a better team than the Patriots. Just kind of on the road, Bill Belichick. He's just the smartest mind in the game. Maybe Tom Brady has a little bit in the tank. I think this is definitely, in my opinion, of all the losses I'm having the Browns, this is the one that I could be easily converted to flipping to a win. Yeah. But for right now, I have them losing on the road. Yeah. So I went from 4-1 and one to 4-3 and three with them losing this game to the Patriots as well. Similar reasons to you. I mean, it's still the Patriots. They still <laughs> just won the Super Bowl. It's hard to believe. So obviously no Gronk, but they'll figure it out because they always do. So mm-hmm. then they go on the road again. Little mini road trip. They go to Denver to take on the Broncos and J- Joe Flacco. They won in Denver last year, and they do it again. Yeah, yeah. I'd say you're playing a team that's maybe even not as good now. The Browns are better, so yeah. They went on the road there. I'm surprised they're playing them on the road back to back years, but yeah, on the road again. I will take them to win and be at five and three at that halfway point. Mm-hmm. You have them at five and three as well. Yes. Okay, so then they go at home against the Bills. Dub. Win. 
Um, at home against the Steelers on Thursday night, both the games we were most excited for. Mm-hmm. And they do get the dub this time. Thursday night football at home. I think they're a slightly better team. They know how much they'll need this. Uh, I think they'll split with the Steelers this year. Each team wins at home. Uh, so I have them winning yeah. this one. Yeah, I think a lot of people will probably choose that as well. So for me, I have a win as well, putting them at 6-3, at, uh, and three, I believe. So mm-hmm. then they're at home against the Dolphins. Make it seven and three. Yeah, yeah, pretty easy win here for me as well. This should be the worst team you play this year. The Bills and Dolphins and Cardinals are all in contention for that, and you all play them in the second half of the season. Then they go on the road to the Steelers. I think this is the one game they trip up. It's they just they always can never seem to get it done in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they've done it. I don't even know if they've done it once since they came back. I actually don't yeah, think they have, which is insane. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's always so hard to win there. I think this game has a lot to do with what the Steelers are this year and less what the Browns are this year because we we still don't really know what the Steelers are going to be. I mean, obviously they lose their best two players, but you just never know. So then they're at home against the Bengals. Win. This is this starts their for the Browns. The reason I have them winning the Super Bowl this year is that they're going to gain a lot of momentum from their last four games. It yeah. starts with the Bengals at home. Get a dub. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you play the Ravens are the hardest team you play in those last four games, and that's at home. So yeah. I, a dub for me, definitely at home against the Bengals. That might be their easiest game of the season just because they want to stomp the Bengals mm-hmm. and it's at home. So Then they go on the road to the Cardinals, who I think are going to be awful. Win. A win for me as well. Uh, not really time to talk about it now, but I, I'd love, at some point I'd just love to talk about the fact that somehow a third-round draft pick is going to get taken first overall. At least oh, in my opinion. Kyler Murray. At least oh, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you too. I think he's, he's a second probably, or third rounder. He got so lucky that a coach who's in love with him just got hired at a place who's yeah. desperate for something different. Mm-hmm. It all kind of worked out right. A coach who loves him takes over at a team who's got the number one pick at an organization that's desperate for something new. Even just, though I think I don't think they're giving Josh Rosen a chance in yeah. my opinion. I think you got to give him more. Yeah. But to me, yeah, to me, it's crazy that he's maybe in my, he could be just. Maybe athletic-wise. I know this is off the Ohio bandwagon, but yeah. maybe for an Ohio State fan, you know, you, you care about the Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray situation, so we can kind of loop that as into the reason we're talking about him. For yeah. me, he's like an early second-round talent, and I don't think he's someone you play right away. Yeah. I don't... And for me, he's like a late second-rounder to the early third-rounder, and it's just – I would even take him as like an athlete, not even a quarterback, just like a – that's what I'd list him as. But yeah, for me, it's crazy that the Cardinals are going – I mean – Someday we're we're gonna write a book about how much of a disaster this was, or the opposite. If it ends up working, we'll write a book or a documentary about how amazing this was. That they went fire their coach, and then they're going to trade away their tenth round QB pick last year, who didn't even play that bad throughout the year. I mean, he didn't look great, obviously, but he didn't. Were you talking about Josh Rosen? You said tenth round, tenth overall tenth, pick. Tenth overall pick, yeah. Okay, so they yeah. take him tenth overall. It was a first year coach. They fire him. They're gonna trade away their tenth overall pick. They're gonna take. In my opinion, a second round, a third round pick with their first overall pick. They're going to hire a coach who just got fired as a Texas Tech head coach. Uh, that that whole situation was crazy how he took the offensive coordinator job at USC, yeah. but was still interviewing after he'd taken it's, that job. It's that was, the craziest thing I think that's. I mean, it's being. I mean, people are talked about it, obviously, but it's being overlooked, I think, in the media how insane this is. Yeah, this I, think is it, I think it's insane too, but people love him and people love the athleticism. And yeah. I think. I th- I think maybe this is why the Baker Mayfield got taken at number one. Yeah. And he had that great season. And for me, I think a lot of people out there think Kyler Murray is a better quarterback than Baker. And we saw the success that Baker had with the Browns in season one. Mm-hmm. The problem is, though, is I think Baker is a better NFL quarterback yeah. than he's Kyler Murray bigger. is. And he's bigger and he's stronger. And I think he can make those throws in between coverage, over the middle. You know, I don't know if Kyler Murray is there yet, too. Mm-hmm. I think... and. 
I know size isn't a big thing, but if in general it is. I know like you have outliers like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson who make it work, but generally you want bigger quarterbacks, and Kyler Murray isn't that. Yeah, I mean, there's throughout the past you know fifty years of the NFL, has probably been two, three hundred ish successful QBs, and like we said, only really three of them have been outliers: Baker Mayfield, who it's only been a year or two, so who knows, and then Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. So yeah. I mean, yeah, just because Baker Mayfield came in last year doesn't mean that someone else can easily do it. Not to mention that that someone else is two inches shorter probably and 20, 30 pounds lighter as well. And no one wants to talk about the fact that he pretty much is 5'9". Well, he's 5'9", and he weighs a lot less than he... Well, what he did was, is I, I know we're spending too yeah. much time on this, but he showed up to the NFL Combine, mm-hmm. told everyone, and he's an arrogant kid if you watch him in interviews, and I've yeah. heard from just NFL interviews that he actually like isn't, a good, isn't doing well when they ask him to read coverage and stuff. But he shows up to the NFL Combine, he's about 20 pounds overweight, but he won't run. He measures in, and then he goes back to Oklahoma. And when they have their pro day, he refuses to weigh in. He says, I already did that. And then he's already lost the 20 pounds. He's back in shape, and then mm-hmm. he runs his 40. He's cheating the system, and I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that most NFL GMs picked up on it, but I'm surprised yeah. it's not more of a media topic. Yeah. Like you said, we're spending too much time on it, but one more thing. At some point, the NFL Combine has to come out and say, if, if you want to come, you have to do everything. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, so, all right, so moving on. I believe we're at the Browns at home against the Ravens, second to last game of the year for me and you as well. That is a W because Lamar Jackson will be playing because he's gonna be out for the rest. He'll be playing at that point. He'll either be out or it's just gonna be such a big game in general too for the Browns and they're at home. So always gonna pick them to win at home against the Ravens. Then away to the Bengals, another easy dub for me. That will be easy dub at that point of the season. Easy at that point of the season, the stadium will be eighty percent Browns fans anyways. The only way the Browns lose this game. (laughs) Is I have them at eleven and four right now, and yeah. they've clinched a playoff spot, and they rest. Yeah. That's the only reason they lose this game. Yeah. So I believe me and you both have them going twelve and four. Twelve and four, which means they'll go like six and ten. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. But now both have them at twelve and four. That should be first round by. That should be home playoffs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm really really excited for the Browns season, and my giving them twelve and four really isn't like an optimistic view of the Browns. It really is a realistic view of their roster and who their schedule is. And they have an easy. I don't want to say easy, but Especially I believe it's like fourth or fifth easiest schedule yeah, in the league. Exactly. And then with that too, but I would say two concerns I have for the Browns this season are A, like I said, I think expe- expectations might get too high for the Browns. And mm-hmm. if it isn't clicking right away, you got to stay low as a Browns fan. It may not click right away. You have to be expectant of that, especially with how tougher the schedule is. First half of the season too, and I think too, number two, everyone's forgetting this is Freddie Kitchen's first year as a head coach. And I know last year when they had, who was their interim coach last year? Um... With Greg Williams. Greg Williams, right. And I know Freddie Kitchens is on that staff, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's going to be a seamless transition. So I think yeah. my two biggest worries are Freddie Kitchens in his first year and can two expectations be a little too lofty. Yeah, yeah I mean, this could go horribly wrong. You have a right. player like OBJ who, although I don't think he's locker room cancer, people make the argument. It, it definitely could happen. You have Baker Mayfield who could easily go through a sophomore slump and could easily have just been a player who could get found out. I don't think that's the case, but it could. Mm-hmm. Same with OBJ. I don't think that he's a locker room cancer, but it could be the case. And then you have a coach who's never coached an NFL game before. I mean, don't keep I mean, he went from running backs coach last year to now the head coach of the Crazy, team, right? And then you also have players like Kareem Hunt who knows how he's going to work out after his 8-game suspension. Oh, I forgot about him. You're going to have to trade away Duke Johnson, so you're only going to have one running back back there for the first 8 games if he gets hurt, Nick Chubb. Um, you're going to have players like Jarvis Landry who who knows what he he'll do. He can be a diva sometimes. You have new players coming in on the defensive line, who knows how they're going to play. You don't have really a safety at the moment, uh, at least a starting quality safety. So things could could go horribly wrong, but I don't think they're going to. Yeah, but if you if say if everyone stays healthy, 
Week 10 against the Bills, the Browns will be lining up with Baker Mayfield at quarterback, Kareem Hunt, and Nick Chubb at running back. Mm-hmm. They'll have David Njoku as a tight end. And don't forget, you've got, you're have got you throwing to Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry yeah. uh, receiver too. So That's, I think if it does all come together, though, for the Browns, this could be something really, really special. Yeah, it could be. And I think if all of those things do come true and all comes together, they're the first or second best offense in the NFL. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, so all right. That's obviously exciting, and God, we're so excited about it, but it's been a nice 40 minutes on it. You knew we were going to. <laughs> I really didn't. <laughs> the excitement level rankings took a lot longer than expected. We also had a nice eight-minute tangent about Kyler Murray and Cliff and, Kingsbury, but and how what do you expect? And how that's not going to work out. Yeah, so we'll be horribly wrong on, on that as well. But yeah. All right, so move on to another super exciting thing that we'll spend a few minutes on here. Um, the only reason why we won't spend a long time on it is because we just don't know how to talk hockey for that long. <laughs> But the Blue Jackets sweep out the Lightning in stunning fashion. I mean, there's just so many things you could go with this, so many avenues to talk about. But the Blue Jackets win the series 4-0 in a series that most people predicted them to get swept out of. I'll eat crow. I'll be the first to say that I picked before the series. I never put it on social media or anything, but I'll be the first to admit it, that I picked Tampa Bay to win in four. I had to win so, five. Yeah, so like basically the exact opposite of what I picked happened. I will eat crow. Completely wrong. You're happily eat crow, though. It's yeah. crow you've ever tasted. <laughs> happily eat it. I mean, in a way, everyone picked Tampa Bay, so like I don't feel bad about it. But still, uh, yeah, I picked Tampa in four. The Blue Jackets win in four. I mean, in my opinion, one of the best upsets, not just in hockey history, but sports history. Because it's hockey, people will overlook it, not talk about it enough. But how did the Blue Jackets pull off such a great upset? Yeah, at least I, in your opinion. I think, I think for a good reference for people, I know there's more parity in hockey than mm-hmm. there is in the NBA, and it's more of a level playing field. But literally, the best way to compare this to anything I can think of is think of the 73-9 and nine Warriors getting swept by the 8th seed in the first round. Like That's pretty much yeah, the best way. put the way. Clippers at you. Exactly, right? It'd be like if the Clippers swept the, the 73-9 and nine Golden State Warriors that yeah. year when the, 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 the Cavaliers beat them. That's pretty much the equivalent that you're thinking of, too. Yeah. Um, but the biggest reason, I think, that the Jackets were able to do this, too, is pretty much for two reasons. We talked about how... Going into the playoffs, I think they'd won like eight out of nine or something. Uh, and it was after they had a Western Conference road trip that didn't go well. They had a team meeting. They got a lot of negative air out. They got it all out there. Uh, and the team kind of came together and resolved around that. And after that, they won eight and wins in nine. And if you look at the stats, this really isn't an eight-seed team. The Blue Jackets, I think, were the 13th or 14th best team in the NHL. The East is just better. Uh, when, you come to, when you talk about stats-wise and goals... And defending, they're actually really more of a, a top 10 team in the NHL. They just haven't had the results all year. So if you take a team like that that's actually really, really good, you give them a ton of momentum going into the playoffs, you have a Lightning team that hadn't really faced any adversity this year and had never really had to deal with going behind before. They'd never lost more than two games, I think more than two games in a row before mm-hmm. this series. They'd never faced adversity. They'd never been kind of pushed to the edge. And you got a Blue Jackets team who's playing on fire, who does have the good talent on their team, a team that's playing together for the first time all year, and a great tactical job done by Joe, um, John Tortorella. We ta- they talked a ton of times on the broadcast about the forechecking, how it frustrated the Lightning, how it took them out of their game. And if you just think about the fact that they were down 3-4, or 3 nothing after the first period in Game 1. After that, they outscore the Tampa Bay Lightning 9-1 to in Tampa for the last five periods that they're there. And then they outscore them 10-4 to at home in Columbus. It was just remarkable. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Night Was it like 19-5 to throughout like the – ever since they went down 3-0 in that first game. But, yeah, I completely agree with what you said. The first biggest reason they were able to pull off this upset, and although it's an excuse for the Lightning, I do think it's a, 
a true excuse in a way. The fact that they were so good throughout the season that really the past, the last two or three months of their season didn't even matter. They're basically just skating around there for fun, just scoring goals here and there and doing their best to win. Um, just doing their best to keep it afloat at that point because they clinched the playoff spot in like February. Whereas the Jackets, they clinched a playoff spot the second to last night of the season. So the Jackets were hot coming into this, playing meaningful hockey really just all year round. Every single game, all 82 games felt like they matter because we knew it was going to be tight towards the end of the season with this team. Um, so yeah, they were playing meaningful hockey all year long. The Tampa Bay Lightning were not. So that was huge for momentum. And then like you said too, I think the biggest thing is the Blue Jackets just weren't scared of the Tampa Bay Lightning. They did not care what the name on that jersey was for Tampa Bay. They didn't care that they were the Lightning. They didn't care that they were the President's Cup winner. They showed them absolutely no respect. And like you said, they just forechecked them, and they were just checking them into the walls constantly. Every single time they could hit these guys in the walls, they did it. And I think that was one of the bigger things of this series. They were just way more physical than the Lightning, and you can't underestimate that in hockey. Um, I think we've gotten to the point now in other sports like soccer where physicality doesn't matter as much. You can't really win with physicality and play that kind of style. But with hockey, it definitely still matters a ton. If you're physical and you wear that team down by hitting them into the walls every single time you can, getting into as many fights as you can, jacking up your players by getting into fights and yelling at the other team and going off on them, then that could be huge. And I think that was huge in this series. Yeah, you talked about just the physical aspect of it. Just being the tougher team. And another part of that, too, was another tactical change the, the Blue Jackets made after the first period in Tampa Bay was let Bob see the puck. And it was all about don't yeah. let the Lightning just sit in front there and block his vision, deflect pucks, move them. And Bobrovsky, who's been one of the better regular season goalies in all of NHL the past three or four years for at least one series, finally found his playoff form that we've been so desperately looking for. You have a goalkeeper who's hot, a team who's hot, who's playing with more passion, too. Then he, we, I, I, when I was wa- when I was watching the Blue Jackets game, one thing they talked about is that in game one, the Lightning pretty much did what they did the rest of the season. They blitzed the team early. They're up three nothing after period one. But if when you're in the regular season of the NHL and you're losing to the best team in the NHL by three nothing, you think like, all right, let's just pack it up and let's just focus about who we're going to play next. The Blue Jackets don't take that mentality in the playoffs, right? It's all about getting back into that game. The Blue Jackets find a way to get back in that game, steal a win, and then the old classic saying, my favorite saying that I've ever 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 has been spoken by another human being ever is Mike Tyson saying everyone's got a strategy until you get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. And the Tampa Bay had a Tampa Bay had a strategy. The Blue Jackets punched him in the face and they had no answer for it. Yeah. I mean I think they were shocked when they lost that first game. And some teams, you know, like you said, you get punched in the face and they can come back from that. But I mean this Tampa Bay Lightning team is just like they just got absolutely shocked from that first game. And from that point, they could have either went two ways. They could have came back in game two and punched the Blue Jackets right back in the face, or they could have been shocked and been scared the way they were. And I think Tampa Bay, after that first game, they were scared. I mean, if you watch that second game in Tampa, the crowd was, I mean, it, you could hear a pin drop in there at times. I mean, yeah. they were absolutely shocked at what they were seeing. Yeah, no, that game was 5-1. That was really when you thought, this is something. Yeah, this yeah is something. because they obviously they won the first two games in Washington last year, but... I remember they won these first two games in Tampa. It just felt so much different than last year. And the way they won those games, right? The fact that they blitzed the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, two, the Lightning were pretty much their response after going down in game two was to retaliate. And by Mm -hmm. retaliate, their best player makes an illegal boarding move, pretty much sets them up to fail in game three. And just everything went. Everything that could have gone wrong for the Lightning did. And it really is remarkable. And, actually, 
both one seeds in the East and the West and um the NHL playoffs are out. Just yeah, yeah, I saw last night. Lost. Colorado uh yeah. Rapids. No, Avalanche. Avalanche. Yeah, Colorado Avalanche. Not, we're not talking M- MLS today, yeah. at least not yet. Colorado Avalanche. Um yeah, they won four to one. Yeah. So I mean just crazy. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that will help the Jackets now when they get to the Stanley Cup Finals and I don't have to play them. I tell, you, I tell you, I have a fan who's the uh, who's a Washington Capitals fan, and he was super excited that the Tampa Bay Lightning are out. And I told him that was great until the Blue Jackets beat them. Exactly. Yeah. So that's actually kind of goes into the next point here. Actually, we'll talk about that later. Let's first lost in the excitement all of this and all of this. The fact that they beat the President Cup winners didn't just beat them but swept, swept them. them. That's the first time that's ever happened in the history of the NHL, the 120-year history, whatever it is. First time that's ever happened, which shows you that it is indeed the greatest upset in NHL history, not hockey history, because that's USA beating Russia, obviously. Soviet but Union, yeah. yeah, so um, lost in the excitement of all of that is the fact that the Jackets get out of the first round for the first time in franchise history. Right, yeah, no, I think Nick Foligno had a, a pretty... Interest, I had a very fired up comment with a few expletives about how it's been 19 something years uh, for this city uh, ever since they got a franchise. And they've been close before. They, I think they, what, 12 seasons, didn't make the playoffs. I know that's number's probably wrong. But whenever they made the playoffs, the first time they got swept by the Red Wings and they got matched up with the Penguins always. And, and last year, they it always seemed they would, at least lately, they've been getting matched up with the team that won the Stanley Cup. And it was just like, if we can just get four past, four, I believe. I know. If you could get past that first round, you felt good about getting uh, moving on. And I, this has been a long time coming for this city. It's a very, very underrated how great, how good of a hockey city this is. As a crew fan, I have to even admit I'm a little jealous of how great the Blue Jackets support has when the crew isn't that great right now, right? Yeah. But I think it's awesome. I'm a Blue Jackets fan myself. I'm just probably a bigger crew fan. I'll, I'll be first to admit that. Mm-hmm. But it's awesome for the city. I'm behind it. I'm excited to go to a playoff game. Uh, my dad just confirmed that to me. We're going to the when they play, maybe the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know they have a three-two mm-hmm. lead right now. Yeah, but that's the thing that's interesting too. Is now uh, maybe ask you: Are you a little worried that the Blue Jackets will have too much time to rest? I know they're doing an inter-squad scrimmage that'll be open to the public. Yeah, but that's not game speed. You always say you want maybe some rest, but do you think the Blue Jackets might go a little cold not playing for maybe a week while they wait yeah. for the other series to finish? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough question because it can go both ways. I guess the way I look at it is just analytically. Um, I mean, it could go both ways, like I said. So analytically, your best bet is resting instead of having to be the team that plays seven games, but it can go the other way. So for me, I just have no clue which yeah. way it's going to go. So I just got to go with the analytics that tell me that probably it's better to do what the Blue Jackets are doing than what either the Bruins or uh, the Leafs are going to have to do. Yeah. So although it could go the other way of the Jackets, I think analytically there's probably like an 80% chance it works out better for the Jackets. So I guess I got to take that. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, it's nerve-wracking. The Leafs could play a six, seven-game series, get through, have all this momentum, and be playing really well. But at the same time, it could go the other way for them. They could be beaten up from this Bruins series, and the Jackets could be well-rested and still high off this this uh, victory against the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the last thing I have is – Talking about that in a way, how far can this team go, in your opinion? I mean, you beat literally the best team in hockey. You swept them. You mm-hmm. have the formula, the talent to make it all the way. It's just now, do you have the mentality? And yeah. the first 19 years, this team didn't have the mentality. They might finally have it for the first time. If they can put it all together, they absolutely can. It's happened to hockey before. Uh, I think maybe six to eight years ago, the LA Kings got hot, barely made it into the playoffs in eight seed, continued that hot streak won the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. There's no reason why the Blue Jackets can't follow that same No, thing. yeah. I mean, this is the fifth time in history that the President's Cup uh, winners have lost in the first round. The other four times, that eighth seed went on to win the Stanley Cup. So, right. so, so the Blue Jackets, you know, in all seriousness, all seriousness, they should be Vegas favorites to win the Cup. They won't be. 
But after this first round, they should be because they didn't no. just beat the President's Cup winner, who is obviously the best team in hockey because they accumulate the most points throughout the regular season, but they swept them in the fashion they did it. Not to mention, just how good was that crowd in Nationwide Arena oh, those last two games? I heard it was so watched, loud that no. a lot of people couldn't hear the cannon firing off. When yeah, that's scored that's a goal. insane. I was watching the Bruins game last night. I know there wasn't a lot to cheer about for the Bruins fans, but... I mean, it was just people just sitting on their butt the whole time, not up. I mean, that Blue Jackets game, the third period, I don't think that people sat down. It's crazy. The whole man. game, they were standing up, they were loud. No matter what, even if there wasn't a goal being scored, you could just kind of, like, feel the energy and the buzz in the arena. And I think, I mean, that's got to be the best atmosphere maybe ever, just because you have the dome, obviously, which makes it louder. But that might be one of the best Columbus atmospheres, I mean, just ever. I yeah, it's it unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, so that's really all I've got. Those were the two big segments. Um, so we'll probably take a break here, and then I might go by myself. Or maybe yeah. JT will. Well, I gotta talk about the crew. How about we do four minutes for the crew? With yeah. Me. And sure, you don't want to can... talk about everything else? Yeah, I'll talk about everything else. I got All nothing right. else. So to take do. a short break here. We'll put an ad here. Um, listen to that. Support the ad. Support the ad. Whoever it is, I can't remember. <laughs> and then we'll come back and we're gonna talk about the Ohio State spring game real quick. All these we're gonna talk about real quick. Uh, Matthew Baldwin leaving uh, the Indians. They played eighteen games. Talk about the Cavaliers, and then we'll talk about the crew. Be back yep. in one second. All right, and we're back to talk about the Ohio State spring game. Um, you watched this game, actually, right? First half. Correct. Okay, you watched first half. I didn't get to watch this. Had a golf tournament going on. and That's just kind of the state of Columbus and Ohio sports in general right now. It's all Ohio State football all the time. All the spring game is just a spring game. It still usually has a ton of excitement. But right now, we're more excited about the Blue Jackets, the Browns schedule, that just kind of shows where we're at right now with Ohio State football and where we're at with a few other sports. Well, I mean, it is April. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, the Ohio State, I mean, you, you would never imagine we're in Ohio State game, spring game, people don't really care, and they're way more excited for the Blue Jackets game that night. So Yeah, that's just kind of where we're at right now. It shows, I mean, we're so excited about these Blue Jackets, so excited about the Browns and their potential, and although we'll be really excited, obviously, in September for Ohio State right now, it's just not there. Yeah, I think a quick recap, I guess, is the gray team won 35-17. Mm-hmm. The gray team con- consisted of the first team offense and the second team defense, I believe. Okay. And then the red team was the first team defense and the second team offense. Okay. Uh, Justin Fields got most of the snaps with the first team offense, but Matthew Baldwin got a few series with them in as well. Uh, I think Matthew Baldwin, uh, you know, I guess we don't really have to talk about him because he's about to leave. Yeah. I think he threw three or four interceptions. Justin Fields started off slow but got a touchdown pass right before halftime and used that to carry momentum in the second half. Looked pretty solid. Looked okay throwing the football. Super athletic as a runner, though. Yeah. Um, and I think also the other big thing is on the second-team offense, Jalen Gill, the Frederick freshman, I believe, out of just pray here in Westerville, had a big game, too, as well. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was kind of the takeaways for me. Just watched a few highlights here and there. Justin's, Justin Fields doesn't look amazing, but obviously it's April. Didn't look great throwing the ball at times. Had a few good throws here and there, but he did look really good as a runner, and I guess one of the big takeaways is the read option is back. Yeah. Obviously, we had it with uh, JT Barrett and Braxton Ezekiel Miller. Elliott. We had it with Braxton Miller as well, Carlos with Hyde. Carlos Hyde, yeah. So now we have it with two really dominant and good runners and two great players here now with Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins. I think that has the potential to be really exciting this year. Yeah, too. I think so as well. I think the other running back that you might see get some carries could be Master Teague. Uh, he had a second-half mm-hmm. touchdown. Um, Jalen Go probably play more of the H-back. And also, DeMario McCall, he might he might be the one that actually splits um, carries with J.K. Dobbins. He, of course, didn't play in this game, dealing with a, an off-season injury. I think the big one that everyone kind of um, noticed was the freshman 
Garrett Wilson, receiver at Ohio State, had two incredible catches for touchdowns. He was on the second team offense, so he was going up against second team defenders on the great team, but he had a couple eye-popping plays, and a lot of people think he could contribute year one. Yeah, yeah, I think he has the potential to be really good. I actually talked about this on my last podcast about three weeks ago with Steven, and who could be the players that, you know, first-year players between Zach Harrison and Garrett Wilson, what can they do this year? How can they contribute? Because we saw a player like, um, oh God, I'm already forgetting his name, contribute in the Michigan game. Oh, um, Chris Olave. Yeah, Chris Olave. We saw him as a first-year player, obviously, contribute in that Michigan game. So what can these first-year players, Garrett Wilson, Zach Harrison, do? I actually have no clue. Do you remember anything Zach Harrison did? Did he do anything special? or He, I think he had a solid game. Yeah, had a solid game. So, I mean, yeah, I think we're going to see good years out of these guys, and that's going to be real exciting. We also saw Jocelyn Went uh, play well. He had two interceptions, mm-hmm. both against Matthew Baldwin, I believe, but still two mm-hmm. interceptions for him, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also saw Jalen Gill play, play well. Yeah, I think also, too, if you're talking about those freshmen looking to make an immediate impact, I don't think it's any surprise that Garrett Wilson and Zach Harrison, the two freshmen you mentioned, are the first two Ohio State freshmen, so far I believe the only two Ohio State freshmen to have their black stripes removed. So they're already technically part of the team. Mm-hmm. I think that's gonna that kind of is a good indication, I think, who you should be looking out for for, for freshmen, true freshmen making a Yeah, and I think uh, this year with Ryan Day, one of the good things that I love about Ryan Day more than Urban Myers, he's not going to be scared to play these freshmen um, if he thinks they're good enough to play. I think with Chris Olave, he should have been playing much earlier in the year than he did last year against Michigan. And I think Ryan Day is definitely going to be a coach who's not scared to throw these guys in there. He's going to do what's best for the team and what makes them win. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, moving on just real quick on Matthew Baldwin. He enters the transfer portal. Kind of a shock here and is leaving Ohio State. Um, sometimes when you enter the transfer portal, it's just to get your options, but he pretty much announced that he's leaving no matter what. So that leaves the Buckeyes with two scholarship QBs. Uh, obviously Justin Fields, and then I can't remember the other guy's name, but that's the point. he's like the West Virginia quarterback or something. He was like their second-string quarterback last year. The point is, is that ago, you so. can't, you don't know his name, right? Yeah, I mean, the point is that you don't know his name and that basically Ohio State has one good QB now. They have one guy who's on scholarship who's probably just an average QB. Sure, he could be decent for Ohio State, but you've got one really good QB now, and if he gets hurt or if he's not playing well, you're pretty much screwed. And Justin Fields pretty much cleaned out the quarterback competition in Columbus. They most likely will be expected to bring in a transfer, like you said, for just the depth option too. But it almost looks like already in April, if anything happens to Justin Fields, we might be screwed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy because in January we're looking at, would Dwayne Haskins come back? Uh, Will Tate Martell be the starter? Will Matthew Baldwin compete? Will Justin Fields come in? We had four different guys that were wondering, could these guys be the starter in 2019? Um, and now we're down to one, and that one is for sure going to be the starter if he stays healthy. So, yeah, you've gone from four possible candidates about three months ago to now where you have one guy that you're looking at as the savior for this team. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, so uh, that'll do it for High State. Obviously not a lot of time spent on them, but like I said earlier, I mean, that kind of shows where we're at. The excitement will ramp up as, you know, uh, practices come around and uh, summer camp and all that stuff comes around. So, oh, of course, we'll ramp it up then. But, yeah, for now, we're going to talk now, go on to the Indians. The Indians have a one-game lead in the AL Central. Um, the Indians have been what we expected so far. They're batting around 200, but pitching well and finding a way to win. Um, some of the notables so far is that they're 11-7, like I said, leading the division by one game. And for me, um, this is my biggest takeaway from these first 18 games, is that the Indians, for me, my goal was to be somewhere just around the division, anywhere from two games back to and above when Lindor comes back. Lindor comes back today in a doubleheader against the Braves, 4-10 p.m. and 7-40 p.m. So they're leading the division 
without Lindor here, without Kipnis has only been back three games. Now Lindor comes back today. So for me, although there's a ton of complaining and a ton of just complaining really around this Indians team and a lot of, you know, I mean, just people are kind of complaining a lot in Cleveland about this team and the Indians in general. Even though with all that, they're still 11-7, four games above five hundred, still leading the division, and now their best player comes back. Yeah, four games above five hundred, best player comes back. And don't forget, they played 12 of their first 18 games on the road, which I know home advantage isn't a huge thing in baseball, but it matters a little, at least yeah. I, I like to think so. Yeah, so 5-1 and one at home. This Indians team is pretty much as advertised, right? Not great hitting, but wonderful pitching. They're yeah. dealing with some injuries right now. So I think, like you said, for right now, well, they're dealing with injuries, and it even is even isn't just Frankie um, Fra- Francisco Lindor. The pitching too, I believe, is a there's a couple of pitchers who are dealing with some injuries too as well. Yeah. So it's all about just kind of kind of treading water is the best way I can describe it in a lot of ways. Staying close, not getting too far back. Of course, for the Indians, we all expect them to make the playoffs this year with how weak their division is. But technically, nothing is guaranteed. But yeah, so mm-hmm. we like to see them treading water. I mean, eleven seven is a pretty solid record in baseball. Yeah, I mean, I know the Rays are fourteen and six, but. Just early in the season, the Indians, they're pretty much as advertised is the best way I can put it. But if you want any indication of how this Indians team is going to be this year, the Royals, who are the worst team in their division, the Indians got swept by them. Then they went on the road to against the Seattle Mariners, who were at the time, I think, got the best record in baseball mm-hmm. and swept them. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's baseball for you. That's also the Indians for you. But I think that's the biggest takeaway from this Indians team at the moment is they're exactly what we expected, batting around 200 but pitching really well. Another notable thing we didn't get to talk about, you kind of touched on it, Mike Clevenger out for about two months um, with a back strain. That's huge. He was looking, he was starting to become the best pitcher for this team up there with Trevor Bauer and Kluber. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, this pitching is still going to be really good without him. Um, They still have a few guys in the minor league system to fill in that fifth spot now that he's gone. But also Shane Bieber, um, he was our fifth pitcher before Clevenger got hurt, and he's been pitching really, really well. So, yeah, I mean, overall, Indians team... Looking good for me. I mean, 11-7, and seven, right where I'd want him to be at this point, and now you get your best player back. So, Like you said, it's kind of about treading water until you can get Clevenger back. Hopefully Lindor stays healthy. Healthy. Hopefully Kipnis continues to play well, and then hopefully you trade for a few guys at the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty much what we got for the Indians. Move on to the Cavaliers. Cavaliers wrapped up their season, and they ended up in one of those top three spots, which was so huge for them. So they have the tide for the most percentage to get that number one pick. Um, the biggest thing with the Cavs is they're most likely going to end up with a 1, 2, or 3 spot. They can end up technically with the 4th spot, uh, which would be not disastrous, but it would be bad to end up in that 4th spot. So assuming they're at 1, 2, or 3, um, who would you take at 1, 2, and 3? I'd take Zion at 1, mm-hmm. um, John Moran at 2, and assuming he comes out, RJ Barrett at 3. Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't know much about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, we don't know a ton about it, obviously. I mean, NBA draft always is like there's always that one guy that everyone wants. So I think it's this year is kind of obvious for the Cavs because they're most likely going to have the one, two, or three spot. If they get the one spot, I mean, you'd assume everything tells you they're going to take Zion. If they get the two spot, that's where it gets a little more interesting because it's you either take John Moran or R.J. Barrett. But if you get the three spot, then you just take whoever they didn't take it to. So... For me, the only real spot where things are interesting is if the Cavs get that two spot. Um, for me, I believe they can only come and get the fifth pick at worst. Or no, six this as well. Six. I have no idea. I just pulled this up. Yeah, yeah. So at worst, they can get the sixth pick. So no matter what, they're going to add someone to this team that's really valuable, a really good player, which will help. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if you're a Cavs fan, you're hoping they get one of those top three so they can get one of those obvious top three guys in John Morant, um, R.J. Barrett, and Zion Williamson. But, yeah, for me, it's pretty obvious. One, you take Zion. Two, you decide beside be uh between RJ 
and Ja, and if you're at three, you just take whoever they didn't take at two. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to look up kind of like what a mock draft would be. Yeah, they have Zion going one, Ja Morant going two, R.J. Barrett going three, Rui Hachimura at four, Kobe White at five, mm-hmm. DeAndre Hunter six, Jared Culver seven. So one of those six guys, all guys who could definitely can contribute. Yeah. I don't think it's confirmed all these. I think this is a list made out of all the people who are draft eligible. Yeah, yeah. I know all these people haven't come out yet, but yeah, like you said, pretty much they're expected to get a top three pick in uh, any one of those guys, Zion Williamson, John Moran, or R.J. Barrett. You're adding a guy who brings a lot of value to an NBA yeah. roster. Yeah, I don't have it pulled up, but the draft lottery is early May, so it's coming up here in the next few weeks. And uh, if you're a Cavs fan, that's definitely something you want to watch, and that's going to be huge. Yeah, definitely. It's huge, and I think... There was that time, right, when they like, hey, it's Tuesday, May 14th is the okay. NBA 2019 NBA draft club. Yeah, so middle May. Uh, and like you said, I think the big reason why they were good when LeBron came back was they got, I think, what, three number one picks. Mm-hmm. And they took Kyrie, then they took two of those number one picks and traded them to get Kevin Love, right? Yeah. So uh, the getting those number one picks is a big reason why the Cavs got back to being really good when LeBron came back for the second time. So these are important. Yeah, very important. You never know. I wouldn't be surprised to see LeBron come back after this next year with the Lakers because that's when he's eligible to, and I don't think anyone's going to join him in the summer. So you just never know. I mean, next year at this time, we could have Zion and LeBron, you know, in the Cavs. They probably they play the same position. It's the only, I yeah. guess LeBron could probably move to. Yeah, he can move anywhere. LeBron, you could probably – actually, you could probably have Zion play the two. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's wild. I mean, it sounds wild, but you never know. I mean, in a month and – a year and three months or so, you could have LeBron back. You could have Colin Sexton playing well, Jetty Osmond, Kevin Love still there, and like a Zion Williamson. No. Exactly. Although it's crazy, this team could be really good again in one year. Yeah. Um, so moving on, we're going to talk about the crew. And I just wrote down for this, anything JT wants to talk about? Pretty much what's going on with the crew right now is there is pretty much the same thing as the Indians as is as advertised. I think if you think of a slogan of the crew where they are right now, it's kind of new coach, same thing. Yeah. Pretty much, they're pretty much doing the same they are last year. Strong defensively, and they use that to win home games by scores of one nothing, two nothing. But still struggling to score goals from open play, and that eventually leads to road struggles. And the MLS, because of how many goals there are, you gotta be able to score goals if you want to get results, especially on the road. Um, that's why the crew are struggling to get results on the road right now. Besides their one win on the road, I think it was against New England, who's the worst team in the Major League Soccer. So for crew, pretty much as of right now, it's. New coach, new owners, but as of right now, pretty much the same exact team that we saw last year, which was a five seed in the East, and I think they can be again this year. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be hovering right around that too. But the crew right now just being in the best position possible before maybe you can bring some guys in in the summer. But yeah, for the crew right now, I think the the big things that um, we want to talk about is uh, if you're listening to this podcast, go to a game. They're a ton of fun. I think uh, we talked about whether you go tailgating before the games or you just go to the games. Incredibly fun environment to go to, and the more people get there, the better the environment can be. But yeah, this team is pretty much as advertised as we expected them to be, same as last year. Strong defensively while we have Zach Steffen and Will Trap to fill in with two strong center backs, but still struggling to score goals from um, open play. Yeah, and I like what you said about, you know, it's kind of similar to the Indians. It's about staying afloat right now, getting as many points as you can before the summer hits and Zach Steffen leaves. But I also think, although Zach Steffen is leaving, I think they're going to bring in a lot of pieces mm-hmm. as well. So I think uh, he'll leave, which will be huge. But they're also, with this new investment, new owners, are going to want to spend some money, want to make a splash. They didn't really have the opportunity to this January transfer window because the owners came in in the early January. So it was just hard for them to get everything together, get the season tickets out, get all this going, and still sign players. So I think this summer is really going to be their first transfer window in a way as owners. So yeah. I think they're going to sign some people this summer and – I think that although the team's 
could get significantly worse without Zach Steffen. I also think they're going to make it better by signing some players, too. Yeah, it really is. It kind of comes down to whether the... I, I think if the crew are in a solid position when the summer rolls around, the ownership will be more interested in investing and seeing what they can do this year. But if they struggle, I think you might see the, the ownership say, okay, let's just use this year as an evaluation year to see who we like, who we don't. So I think I think it is big. But I think they are good enough with Zach Steffen, and they're good enough at home to be able to stay up in that. You're, look, you're just looking to be right around th- third to fifth in the East. Yeah, through the end, through when you get to the second transfer window, which is the summer transfer window in MLS. So, yeah. I think for the crew, that's the goal. And as of right now, they're there. So, yeah, and, and the way it works now, obviously, with just the one playoff game, really where you're at from two to seven, doesn't matter a ton. I mean, yeah, you want to have home field advantage, but at the end of the day, it's going to be one off games. So, just getting to the playoffs is really all that matters. Yeah, it is. But if you can find a way to sneak into that top yeah. four and get a at least a first round home playoff mm-hmm. game. I think that matters. Yeah, sound excited about it. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's 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 different, right? I mean, right now we're just kind of, it's kind of it, when we have sports like soccer. I know baseball has way more games than soccer, but even when the season's so long, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about it's not always do or die yeah. every game, and it's all about just kind of, especially when you have playoffs in the end. It's the way American sports work, and it's a little different to people. Maybe like me, who are very invested in soccer overseas, and literally every game matters over there. But yeah. American sports is not like that, but you get the added uh, drama of the playoff, too, and everyone yeah. loves that, too. So it's all about just kind of treading water, and there's no reason, there's no reason for the Indians or the crew to have any over- or under-reactions to what's yeah. been going on. Yeah, I think that was part of it. They lost to Montreal last week, and although we're frustrated that they lost, and uh, there's some talking points about the field... It was kind of just like, oh, they lost this week. They'll, they'll figure it out. Yeah, they lost this week, but you like – and when it comes to soccer, too, it's all about maybe, like, finding the way to play. It's all, it's A lot of it can be, too, especially early in the season, about the way you play more than just the results. Mm-hmm. And for the crew, you're seeing the ideas. And just because in that 90-minute stretch you didn't have the final finishing touch to all those ideas doesn't mean you're at least – at least the fact that they're generating ideas and they're having ideas mm-hmm. and they're building some things from open play because the result wasn't there – in that 90-minute segment, like you said, there's no reason for an overreaction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that will do it for uh, Ohio versus the world today. Uh, this is not like our podcast. Obviously, two guys, one beautiful game where we have a set schedule every Monday. Um, once football mm-hmm. season rolls around, I consider that the busy season. Although yeah. I talk about every sport, this is Ohio, and Ohio, I mean... Cares about. Ohio cares about Ohio State football and the Browns football so much more. So then, obviously, I always come to you every Sunday or Monday night. Uh, to talk about those two big games and some other things. But in the off season, right here from this January to August time, I kind of just come whenever I feel like it's necessary. So who knows when the next episode will be. I'm going to predict whenever this jacket series is over. I'll talk about that and then whatever else comes up in Ohio sports over the next two or three weeks. So Perfect. probably within the next two or three weeks. Don't know who the guests will be. Possible it could be JT again. So, you know, for the next two or three weeks, uh, enjoy the Jackets in the playoffs. Go out to a crew game if you live in the Columbus. If you just live anywhere in the area, go out to a crew game. Home game tomorrow against the Portland Timbers. Yeah, and then you get some Indians games in there. And I'll probably have another podcast before the draft lottery. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yep. So that will do it for Ohio versus the world. Thanks for listening.